You're listening to the Visionary Life Podcast. I'm your host, Kelsey Rydell. Each week, I'll bring you conversations with the most visionary humans on this earth in hopes that you'll be able to absorb their wisdom, avoid their failures, and feel less alone on the roller coaster ride that is entrepreneurship. This season, I'll be chatting with creative thinkers, masterful marketers, brick and mortar shop owners, brand builders, and people just like you who have a story to share or a vision that inspires. If I can share one quick secret with you before we get into the episode, it's that we all have a little bit of visionary inside of us. You know, that spark that nudges us to pursue our full potential in this lifetime. But perhaps somewhere along the line, it got covered up. I'm here to tell you that it's never too late to explore that inner voice and access the brilliance deep down inside of you. It's in you. It's in all of us. Let's dive in. In this six-episode series, we are spotlighting some of the most visionary business owners from Bracebridge, Ontario. If you haven't heard of Bracebridge, it's a very charming small town two hours north of Toronto, and it's filled with passionate, hardworking, and creative entrepreneurs. Today, I am sitting down with Daniel Collins, who is the president and founder of Brew Culture. Daniel founded Brew Culture back in 2014 because of a passion for craft beer and a love of hops. Today, Brew Culture works with beer ingredient suppliers from all over the world, and their business has been growing steadily as the craft beer trend continues to dominate. In this episode, we chat about Daniel's original career path and why he ended up pivoting and launching Brew Culture. We talk about how Brew Culture found their first few customers and clients and what they attribute their early success to. The one piece of advice he would give to all startup entrepreneurs tips for growing your business in a small town, and so much more. So enjoy this episode with Daniel from Brew Culture, and be sure to share the episode by tagging them. They're at brewculture on Instagram and brewculture.com. And by the way, if you are planning a trip up to Bracebridge, Ontario, you want to go explore all of these amazing guests that we've featured, head to www.visitthebridge.ca and you can find all of the info there. Let's dive into today's episode. All right, Daniel, welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to sit down with you today. I believe you are our third episode in the Spotlight Bracebridge series. So we cannot wait to dive into all things brew culture today. So thank you for being here. (laughs) Great. Thank you for having me. So why don't we start off with some quick fire questions? I guess, number one, have you been featured on podcasts before? I have, yeah. Uh, Just uh, two weeks ago, I think we did one. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, So you're a seasoned veteran at this point, right? (laughs) Within the last year, especially. Yeah. Amazing. Yeah. It's becoming quite the popular medium. So very honored to have an hour of your time to feature you on your next one. (laughs) Um, Could you tell us where you grew up and where you live now? For sure. Yeah. I grew up in Waterdown, Ontario. Um, Spent, uh, yeah, born and raised, uh, spent 19 years there. And you know, soon after high school, uh, I was exited and uh, spent uh, a number of years all over the place. Uh, I've been all over the map from Canada, the States to um, Central America. And, you know, back to Canada, I lived in Vancouver for a number of years. And uh, I currently live in Bracebridge uh, in Muskoka. I've been here six years now. What was the driving factor for you to, quote unquote, settle down in Bracebridge or choose that as your home? <laughs> 
A couple of factors. I mean, between business, we had a business that was growing at the time. Uh, We'd started in Vancouver and uh, we had also just started a family, Um, you know, so having that sort of feeling of, you know, needing some space. uh, We're very active people, love the outdoors, Um, you know, so uh, between those two things sort of you know, pulling at us. Uh, um, we had looked at Squamish, BC, and uh, at that time, uh, housing prices were skyrocketing over there. And, you know, very quickly, we looked at cottage country. Um, mm-hmm. I was a cottage kid growing up, and uh, it just seemed like it seemed like a, you know, an easy move for us. Um, but you know, now that we're here, we love it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And I can see why it's absolutely yeah. stunning up there. Um, so curious, kind of going back into your earlier days, did you always know you wanted to start a business or become an entrepreneur or is that something that hit you later in life? Yeah, no, I think I always knew that I wanted to be an entrepreneur. It was just sort of getting to that point, right? Um, you know, gaining the confidence and uh, and I think finding my path. Um, you know, I originally started uh, um, school in forensic biology. Uh, that's what I initially oh. initially went to school for. Yeah, my my dad was a forensic uh, detective, uh, so I grew up around it. Uh, you know, through the '80s and '90s with him. Uh, you know, as a forensic detective, and um, that's what I, I I grew up around and I, I loved it. I, I just certainly had a passion for it. But once I got into school and started really looking at where I'd be professionally it was you know quick realization that this isn't quite what I wanted um, so I took a couple of years off uh, stumbled my way into into business and sales and uh, went back to school for business and just absolutely dove right in and um, I think at that point that's when I those you know early feelings of hey I, I, I need to do something myself um, started to begin and then it was just sort of a you know a transition of going through different experiences uh, to get to you know where we are today. Mm-hmm. Looking back on the journey, do you see each one of those experiences that led you to brew culture as valuable or do you have any like regrets <laughs> in your career path or can you see what each contributed to where you are today? Yeah, to- no, I can totally see where each contributed, uh, the good and the bad. I mean, mostly all great experiences, um, you know, but previous to brew culture, I had a pretty rough experience. Uh, and in hindsight, uh, it-, it taught me a lot. And uh, without it, uh, this, you know, this wouldn't be possible. So. Mm-hmm. I know it's always funny people, they often say like, oh, I wish I would have started this business sooner or I wish I could have found yeah. my true calling sooner. But I always think like, well, I actually think like you had to go through all of these yeah failures or challenges or just like weird blips in your career path Mm -hmm. in order to find the thing, right? It doesn't just magically happen in your twenties most often. hundred percent. I wouldn't have been prepared for it. Um, you know, and, and if I look at all the experiences we had in the, you know, last seven and a half years uh, in running brew culture, um, I wouldn't have been prepared, like I said, uh, you know, for, uh, for a number of things that have happened through, you know, through the, those years. Um, so, you know, I take, uh, take the good, take the bad, uh, you know, however the song goes. And uh, yeah, everything was valuable for sure. So you said you spent time after you kind of gave up on the dream of forensic biology, Mm -hmm. then you moved into sales and marketing. At what point does brew culture come in? Like, can you take us to that point in your life? When did the idea, when did the light bulb moment Um, go off? It was. It wasn't necessarily quite the light bulb moment. Maybe um, I was fortunate enough to have been hired to start another company um, similar to to what Brew Culture is. We were a hop distribution company, um, so we were specifically distributing hops, not uh, not other ingredients or anything. Um, but I was uh, lucky enough to land the managing director role there. Um, for was for a startup. Uh, what was a startup at the time? Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, I knew. 
I knew where my interests, you know, were, of course, I was always interested in, in beer and I was always interested in wine. Uh, I have passion for that. Um, you know, I have education, um, you know, background in those, uh, those areas as well. Um, but I never really found the opportunity to dive into it. And I, you know, I looked at maybe some sales jobs and that, but it just wasn't quite for me, uh, for what I was looking for. So when that opportunity came, came about, I jumped all over it. I thought it was, a, it was a fantastic opportunity, something I could sink my teeth into, um, and admittedly, I'm a bit of a control freak, and uh, you know, this gave me an opportunity to do uh, do that from a, from the ground up and and have some uh, some control on you know where my vision of that company went. Um, so, you know, it wasn't necessarily a light bulb uh, for me. Um, it was going through that experience and uh, and the hardships in that experience, uh, you know, that led to to brew culture, uh, and then ultimately, you know, taking again the the good you know the good things that uh, we took out of that, and you know, some of the negative things, learn from that, and then you know, roll that into you know, what is now brew culture. Mm. So yeah. when you first kind of decided like, okay, I'm going to do this as a business, mm. were you the type of entrepreneur that kind of sat back and wrote an elaborate plan and kind of went in your cave or did you just like get started and kind of like wing it and, and or somewhere in the middle? So, well, yeah, probably a little bit in the middle, maybe. I was a little bit more prepared, obviously, because I'd just gone through the process, um, you know, um, with another company. Um, so I, I definitely had that knowledge behind me. Um, I knew, you know, what was working uh, for us and, you know, the things that we had struggled with. Um, so I was a little bit more prepared, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, uh, you know, more of the, uh, the type A personality. Um, I just went for it, uh, mm -hmm. you know, believe in myself and believe in the vision. And, uh, you know, I took, uh, I took the $20 I had out of, uh, you know, my personal account, put it in a brand new flashy uh, business account and uh, popped up my laptop in my daughter's bedroom and called it, uh, called it a day <laughs> called it a business so, yeah exactly <laughs> well sometimes like one of like we need to do those like one or two things whether it's opening the bank account or finally registering the yeah. business name or buying the domain of the website which makes us feel like yeah this is valid and that gives us the juice yeah. to keep going and to do that next step and yeah. that next step and that next step right exactly so in business we often talk about having your unique value proposition or whatever your unique differentiating factors are. So obviously there are other brands, other businesses that do what you do in terms of distribution. So I'm curious what makes brew culture unique versus other ingredient suppliers? Um, good question. I mean, I think honestly, it's our relationships. Um, yeah. you know, we'll start with our relationships with our supplier partners. Um, you know, I was lucky enough to, um, and admittedly, the, the relationships that we have with our suppliers are not suppliers that I had worked with previously. Um, so they're new suppliers to uh, to brew culture at that time. Um, I was lucky enough. And I, I guess I, I'm just, uh, again, that personality where, you know, um, I, I do the digging. I find out who I need to talk to and I just make those phone calls, um, you know, so I'm, I'm pretty determined that way. And, um, you know, I kind of find my way in there uh, where I can. And uh, I was lucky enough to put in some some key relationships with uh, key suppliers around the globe, um, you know, in Yakima, Washington, Czech Republic, Germany, um, France, Slovenia, wherever it might have been. Um, we were very fortunate to create those relationships. So I think on the supply side, uh, it gave us an opportunity to be able to provide the highest quality product that we could, um, knowing, you know, who the partners are that we are working with. And then, you know, flips flip that over to, uh, um, the customer side too, um, you know, the, the relationships that we have are, are key. Uh, I think we're a big enough company that we can supply anybody, um, you know, but we're still small enough that we can be nimble and we can, uh, we can still sort of be that personal touch that, you know, a lot of, a lot of customers want, right. You know, um, mm -hmm. 
there's a lot of, you know, well, I shouldn't say there are a lot. There are, there are probably two or three larger companies that are big, you know, multinational companies that, uh, you know, are widely used by the craft brewing uh, community. But, um, you know, I don't think, you know, not to their detriment, but mm-hmm. I don't think there can be quite as nimble as we can be, um, you know, and, and add that personal touch or at least a level of personal touch that we can add, um, you know, on our end. So uh, definitely, I think that's, uh, you know, um, the biggest factor. Mm-hmm. It reminds me of a quote that says like, I think it says, I don't care what business or what industry you're in, you're in the business of relationships. And it's so true. It's such a common thread when I ask people like, what is it that you attribute your success to? Or what is it that really makes your brand stand out? It often comes down to those one-on-one relationships. Like we're never just shouting at the masses being like, everybody buy our products. It's coming down to a one-on-one conversation and how you treat that person and how you made them feel and what you do afterwards and how you follow up with them. And so we can't ever lose sight that our best marketing effort really is in keeping the strength of every single relationship because that'll always sure. pay dividends. Yeah, no, I think that's true for, you know, for most industries, um, but especially here in the craft beer industry. Um, that's mm-hmm. it's kind of what this industry was built on, um, you know, mm-hmm. camaraderie and, and relationships uh, as friends. It's sort of the the small guys taking on the big guys, right? And yeah. uh, that's, that's the basis of what this, uh, this industry is about. So yeah, relationships mm-hmm. are key. For sure. So you kind of said that you were more of like the type A person who kind of just like went after it and you were obviously quite resourceful, but I know now you obviously have many people working for brew culture. So can you remember the moment when you realized you could no longer do this as a one man show or a one person team, like bring us back to that time uh, and how you knew it was time to expand the vision beyond yourself. A quick word from our premier sponsor of the Visionary Life podcast, and that is Healthy Planet. If you are a health nut like me, you're going to love that you can save money on the brands you already purchase by ordering online from Healthy Planet. They love our visionary community and want to support all of us in living our best lives. So you can shop at Healthy Planet entirely online and products will be dropped at your doorstep within just a few days. It's so easy, so convenient, and that gives you no excuse to say it's really hard to eat healthy, because it's not. So treat your body, your mind, and your business with the fuel it deserves from Healthy Planet. You can shop by department, dietary need, or even just check out the sale rack. It's such an efficient way to ensure you're stocked up on all your favorite health goods all of the time. Use code VISIONARY10 at checkout to save on your Healthy Planet order. That's VISIONARY10 at checkout. I probably waited a little longer than I should have, uh, admittedly, but uh, yeah, no, I'm, you know, around year two, um, you know, we're entering year two, uh, the business is growing quite quickly. And a lot of that had to do with a being a new business and just sort of the growth, you know, um, that we were on at the, at the time, but also the industry as a whole was growing dramatically at that time. Um, but it was also a time when, uh, you know, our business, a lot of it was expanding in, in Eastern Canada. Our biggest customers were in Ontario, um, you know, and we're growing, we're, you know, starting a family on the personal side of things and, and looking at those things. So, um, you know, at, at some point, uh, I guess, you know, early, maybe 2015, we're about two years into it. And, uh, you know, my wife and I looked at each other and, you know, we knew we needed to make a move professionally and, uh, you know, for our family. Um, so, you know, obviously that's what brought us to, to Bracebridge. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Um, and that, at that time, our location was based out of Vancouver. So we we're going to be creating a second location, which would ultimately become our headquarters. Um, but our first location, we'd be leaving behind. So I, uh, I reached out to a friend of mine who, you know, if I, if I thought I was going to leave my business, uh, my, my little baby, my new baby in uh, the hands of someone, I was like, you know, this is going to be the guy. So I handpicked and I just hoped that he'd say yes. And somehow <laughs> was able to convince him to uh, leave a, a fantastic job at a, a, you know, a brewery friend, uh, you know, that we have in Vancouver, uh, convince him to come over and he took over as our Western sales manager. But uh, yeah, it was, like I said, it was probably admitted a little bit later than I would have, you know, or I should have mm-hmm. done it. Um, you know, I think when you're, you know, you're an entrepreneur and things are still new and they're growing, you're a, you're trying to hold on to everything you can, you know, cause mm-hmm. you've got hundred percent of the control. Uh, same time you're feeling it sort of slipping away because you're you know you're not able to provide the level of service that you should so um, Mm -hmm. yeah ultimately the move physical move is what forced it yeah and can you kind of fast track us to where your team is at today because I know since then you've obviously made many more hires and brought a lot more awesome talent into the brew culture yeah, for sure. I mean, we've got three locations. So headquarters, of course, here in Muskoka and Bracebridge, particularly. Uh, Vancouver is our our, um, our location on the West Coast. And we just added a third location in Dartmouth, Nova Scotia as well. Oh, wow. Um, so in each of those locations, we have a sales manager that oversees the sales of, uh, of the company. Um, and then here in-house uh, in Muskoka, we've got a uh, staff of about where we had almost a dozen people um, between, you know, marketing and uh, sales support and uh, operations. Um, we have a, um, we've delivered vehicles, et cetera. So um, yep. yeah, that's sort of where we're at now. And what is big your for role in the bedroom. company? What's your role in the company today? My role now, um, I'm, I'm mostly pulled, I've pulled out of most of the day-to-day operations. I'm, I'm trying to focus mostly on business development. Uh, yeah. you know, there's a lot of things that are going on. So we're in the background that, uh, um, that I'm sort of the driving force of, uh, whether it be, you know, expanding on our, you know, product portfolio um we're looking at expanding well pre-covid we were we were very close to expanding into new markets uh, internationally as well so um those are still going on in the background um yeah. but yeah mostly mostly business development and uh and, and of course key relationships key partnerships with our suppliers and, and our brewers so i still keep my you know my hands in on a little bit of that um but uh yeah well, I think that's so awesome to hear that you've kind of come to a point where you can pull yourself out of the day-to-day mm. operations so that you can keep dreaming how big this company can become and how many relationships and people you can help with your products. And I think so often where entrepreneurs get caught up is they're so bogged down in the day-to-day mm. stuff, things that they could pay someone else to do, that they actually lose that visionary tendency of like dreaming and just having a clear Mm -hmm. mind to identify opportunities and to think about the next chapter um and so it's inspiring to hear that you've you've created some space for that and to actually think on behalf of the future brew culture versus just where you are today right Again, admittedly, it, it took a little longer than probably it should. Uh, you know, yeah. again, it's just, you know, we're, we try to keep things as lean as we can. And, uh, mm-hmm. um, you know, we, I, I, for far too long, I think I tried to, you know, um, manage both sides of it but uh, eventually you know you come to the realization that you you have to pull away and and that you can you know especially if you get those key people in place um you can pull away and other people can do a fantastic job probably better than what i could do uh, mm-hmm. particularly if i'm doing you know that end you know holding on to you know the sort of the vision of the company as well so um yeah i know I'm, I'm very grateful for where we're at right now and to be able to pull away from that and mm-hmm. uh, just focus sort of on the future and try not to sink the ship at the same time <laughs> 
<laughs> well, it sounds like you've fired yourself from the roles where other people can yeah. do them better than you. So the ship isn't going to sink because there's probably yeah. better people in place doing the things that you used to have control of. Yeah, I think, who is it that said it? You know, surround yourself with people that are smarter than you. Yeah, um, I'm, I'm trying to do a good job of that. So I think that's epic. So congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so I want to pick your brain on some business tips because we have a lot of aspiring yeah. entrepreneurs who are listening to the podcast and they love hearing just success nuggets and just general um, tips for running a business. So here we go with the first question. Um, what is one skill set or piece of advice that you started your business with that has served you well up until this point? Uh, for me, definitely believe in yourself. Um, you know, I, I've always been a determined person. Um, I've always had thick skin. Um, I've developed thicker skin, uh, you know, over the, the seven and a half, uh, nearly eight years of uh, brew culture. Um, yeah, really believe in yourself. Um, you know, uh, when I started brew culture, uh, there were certainly, uh, you know, a handful of people that did not um, believe that I could do this. Um, and they made it very clear, um, you know, uh, what their feelings were. And, you know, I, I heard some pretty, you know, nasty things early on. Um, unfortunately, uh, you know, it, it was just a reality at the time, um, you know, but I, uh, I had some, th some thick skin and believed in, you know, what the vision was and what I wanted uh, and what I, you know, believed that I could create uh, and uh, just, you know, kept the nose to the grindstone. And, and uh, I think it served me well. Um, you know, that's certainly a personality trait that I think I've always had. Um, but I don't know if I really identified it as much as I, you know, began to uh, about seven, eight years ago. Mm -hmm. So um, yeah, believe in yourself and don't let people tell you you can't uh, for whatever reason that it is. Um, you know, just if that's what you want to do. Um, my dad said, you know, one time when I was young, um, uh, find, find what you're passionate about and find a way to make money doing it. Mm. And mm -hmm. that's what we did. Yeah. I mean, I think there's so much magic at the crux of that, like where your passion mm -hmm. lies, but also where there's a demand, like financially, yeah. like obviously if you're passionate about yeah. something that nobody wants to buy, then that might be a yeah. struggle, but hundred yeah. <laughs> percent. so you're yeah. saying you're passionate about beer and Canadians love drinking beer. <laughs> Yeah, I find a way to get paid. <laughs> so <laughs> I love that. But yeah, you know, well, you got to enjoy what you do. So. Yeah. Well, it's so true because there are probably so many dips in this journey where you're like, why am I doing this? Like you said, you have pretty thick skin because I'm sure you've heard it all. You've had, you know, customer customers come at you or orders that didn't show up and it's not always going to be sunshine and rainbows, nope. right? So you have nope. to, number one, like you said, believe in your vision enough to get out of bed on those dark days and keep yep. going because that's probably the point when a lot of people quit is when they feel defeated after a few negative reviews and they're like, all right, I guess this just isn't going to work. It's those who pick back up and say, I still believe in this and I'm still going to get up and chase it. And like, yeah. nobody will believe in your vision like you will. Like nobody cares as much for as sure. you do. Oh, for sure. And, and that's probably partly why, you know, I've held, held on to certain things within the company over the years a little bit longer because, you know, you feel like nobody will care as much as you do. But, you know, um, you find, again, you find those key people, they will care. Um, you know, you treat your employees well, or, you know, we, we of course try to do, you know, as best by our employees as we can. And, yep. and they're going to care. They're going to have vested interest. Um, mm -hmm. So, but yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so kind of to play off of that other question, what's one yeah. skill set or piece of advice you wish you knew when you started your business that you didn't know? 
skill set accounting. Uh, I wish oh. I paid more attention in uh, my uh, uh, university accounting classes. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I learned very quickly in the first two years. Uh, I, you know, I knew that was not my skill set. It was not my forte. Uh, but man, did I make a mess. <laughs> so yep. uh, I would, you know, if, if, if I can offer any piece of advice, you know, um, you know, not everyone can hire, you know, out of the gate, not everyone can hire, you know, within the first two years, I didn't, yep. um, you know, but if you can find somebody, you know, whether it's a, you know, a friend or a family member, or, you know, even just an outsourced, uh, um, you know, accountant or bookkeeper that can help uh, once in a while to at least make sure that you're on the right track. Um, certainly, uh, you know, I, for me, it would have helped massively. <laughs> yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, that's, yeah, that's a skill set I just don't have. I'm uh, mm -hmm. I'm better at selling uh, and not uh, you know uh, not doing the financials on the on the back end of it. So um, <laughs> I realized that very quickly. <laughs> I can very much relate to that. And then one time I heard somebody saying like the first thing you should outsource is your bookkeeping and accounting. Mm -hmm. And I was like, you mean I can outsource this? Great. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. I don't care how much it costs. Yeah. It is not my strength. And like. I feel like I'm driving myself insane trying to do this thing. But I also, yeah. you know, wanted to to give myself an opportunity to learn it so that I knew mm -hmm. what I was outsourcing. So, you know, there's this balancing yeah. act of wearing all the hats, but then knowing which ones to take off when you have yeah. the money or the resources. Yeah, understanding your, you know, your strengths and your weaknesses. And of course, I knew that was a weakness. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I've certainly, um, I've learned a lot since, you know, in, in the time since then. Um, so that's, that's, you know, that's the positive there. Um, but uh, still understanding that uh, it's better that somebody else handles it. So. Mm -hmm. So I know that you are not like the chief marketing officer of the business anymore, but mm -hmm. I'm assuming you yeah. have some fun little strategies up your sleeve. And I'm curious, like what has been working well in terms of marketing and promotion and, and just growing awareness of brew yeah. culture? Yeah, I think with a lot of, you know, most businesses, you know, you've got to go through that growth uh, spurt where, you know, you're handling a lot of that stuff on your own. Um, not everybody can afford a, you know, a marketing team or uh, um, or even to outsource those things. So, I mean, you know, and it's very common in the crappier industry. Most craft brewers you know, don't have a marketing person um, yeah. or at least they have to develop and, and get to that point. So um, we we're lucky enough actually just in uh, fall of last year to bring on a, a marketing director. Uh, it's just fully, you know, help guide us. So, yeah. I mean, we were, we were well into year seven before we brought on a, a you know, an actual marketing department. Um, mm -hmm. So, um, but our marketing director has done a fantastic job in, in helping us build um, some of that brand identity that I think we always yeah. knew was there, but we just needed, you know, help, you know, putting it together and putting it out there um, yeah. to the world. So, um, you know, and I think with uh, with COVID, a lot of things have changed. Obviously, we're we're doing a lot more of this, and you know, mm -hmm. we're not in front of people where we're used to. So, I mean, that's always been our marketing strength is being in front of people and and the relationships that come from that. You know, yeah. our industry is full of events and you know parties and and all sorts of stuff. We you know we we don't we. We have the conferences that you know that are all over the place and we go to those conferences and we talk a little bit of business but yeah. to be honest where most of our business happens is at the after party definitely and, mm -hmm. uh you know when we create those relationships so mm -hmm. um so we've had to make some adjustments for sure uh, with COVID. And i think for us uh you know bringing on a marketing director and, and helping us you know uh create new content uh you know to be shared socially um creating webinars and it, we've really sort of taken on an educational piece uh this year and uh, mm. it's it's new for us to do it the way that we're doing it now digitally. Um, but it was something I, I think even pre-COVID we were lacking. Um, we just relied too much on the in-person edge um, and, uh, and we weren't 
proactively putting it out there for, you know, for our, our brewers. So mm-hmm. yeah, it almost accelerated, change. accelerated the evolution mm-hmm. of your marketing strategy. It's like, we knew it needed yeah. to come partly online, but this kind of forced you to get it figured out yeah. and, and get going with that. And hopefully yeah. like there's been a lot of positives, right? And able to reach more people, oh, sure. have more people join one educational training than you could have ever reached if you were traveling around. But I think there's still something to be said for that in-person experience. Like it's really oh, hard sure. to recreate that digitally. <laughs> definitely. Yeah. But I, I feel we've definitely, you know, um, there's more, there's a value add now that, you know, we've been able to put in place that we didn't have before. So uh, yep. COVID, you know, as unfortunate as this whole situation has been there, there's certainly have been some positives, uh, you know, for us to, to take away from it. And, um, you know, this is one of them. Uh, so yeah, mm-hmm. it's been, it's been good. It's been really good. We needed it. Awesome. And obviously the last year has been quite the shift and, you know, a little Mm -hmm. bit chaotic, especially when COVID first hit, nobody knew what was going on. Um, I'm assuming you've had some stints of working from home. So how are you finding balance right now in running brew culture and also managing your daily life with the family? And I'm sure many other things going on in your life. How do you find balance in your workday? Quick pause to thank this week's sponsor, BetterHelp. As many of you might know, my mom passed away unexpectedly a couple of weeks ago, and this has sent me down the path of navigating change, grief, and an emptiness that I've never quite felt before. That's why I'm so grateful to have a partner like BetterHelp, as they offer professional counseling done securely online. You can send a message to your counselor anytime, and you'll get timely and thoughtful responses, plus you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions. The booking system is remarkable easy and convenient. BetterHelp has counselors who specialize in stress, grief, anxiety, relationships, self-esteem, and so many more areas of expertise. If you've been thinking about finding help for some of your unique challenges, then I'm happy to share that as a listener of Visionary Life, you'll get 10% off your first month of BetterHelp by heading to betterhelp.com visionary. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, BetterHelp.com slash visionary. And you're going to get your first month of BetterHelp at 10% off. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, it has been it has been a lot tougher this year, for sure, uh, or the past year and a bit. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we've got uh, we've got two kids, an eight year old and a four year old. So, yep. uh, lucky enough that our four year old's been able to to remain in school the whole time. Um, our eight year old's been here half the time. So, um, <laughs> you know, it's it's a bit of a balancing act, um, but she's been fantastic and and rolled with it. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and I. And, we're still we're still growing it's been you know um it's been eight years of growth uh, so yeah. we've been trying to manage that but admittedly uh, living in muskoka really helps uh yeah. you know i step outside i smell the trees um my commute to work's five minutes uh i could i, I often run to work and run home um so, good. so uh that helps me unplug big time um you know the ability to go home and uh, be there five minutes later and you know sit on our back deck and stare at a forest um to be mm-hmm. able to step outside my back door and go on to a trail um, from my house uh, is, is is huge for us. So um, my wife will tell you that I, I don't unplug very, very easily. Um, but, you know, it certainly helps, uh, you know, where we live. Uh, so surrounding ourselves with the environment that we're in, uh, you know, definitely. Mm-hmm. 
sounds amazing. And I love that that's at your back door. And it sounds like you are a big fan of where you live. And I know a lot of the listeners, they they want to come visit Bracebridge and they want to know what's so special about this town two hours north of Bracebridge. So, or two hours north of Toronto. So, you know, what, besides like your backyard oasis and the trails, like what else is it that you love about this community? The people, uh, hands down, it's the people here. Um, I grew up in a small enough community in Waterdown, um, and uh, it's changed a lot, you know, in the 20 plus years that I've been gone, certainly. But, you know, when I was a kid, you know, we had, we had about, I think, 20,000 people there. And, you know, you go down to Andy's home video and, you know, you'd run into, you know, a dozen people on the street that you knew. And then you go in to see Andy and everybody knows Andy. And like <laughs> it was that was just sort of the community that we lived in. And at that time, you know, Toronto was still, you know. 35 minute drive down the highway. It wasn't that bad. Um, you know, and you fast forward a number of years and that changed very quickly. And, you know, so I, I feel like Bracebridge gives me a lot of, you know, what I had as a kid growing up and we were hoping to have that for our kids. So, mm-hmm. you know, we walk around town, we, we know, you know, many of the people that we see, uh, they're you know, it's the regular faces all the time. Uh, and it's, you know, it's, it's really nice. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I would, you know, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Um, curious for somebody who is thinking about starting their business in a smaller town or relocating their business to a smaller town, do you have any advice for them? Cause I think a lot of people are hesitant to try to build a business when they're not in a metropolitan city, for example. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, again, I, you know, I grew up a suburban kid small town but suburban kid in Toronto and you know much of my working career was mostly around Toronto or in Toronto I lived in downtown Toronto for a long time um you know but but here I am in Bracebridge and I you know I brought a business here uh from Vancouver another metropolitan city but yeah. uh you know and we we were asked you know why would you move there um you know after leaving Vancouver um and uh you know what it's totally possible, especially these days with technology, with the internet, and, you know, particularly what we have here in, uh, in Muskoka, um, it's totally possible. And I think this year, you know, with COVID, uh, you know, exactly what we're doing right now, uh, we relied so heavily on, you know, being in person. Um, I can't tell you how many friends that I have who have jobs that are, you know, Toronto based jobs, but they live here. Um, yeah. you know, they spend, they're used to going down to the city two, three days a week, and then they work remotely. Um, now they've, you know, they've been working remotely uh, entirely. And a lot of them don't think that they're going to go back to, you know, having to drive down the city two, three days a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's totally possible. Um, you know, it's small towns can be tough. Um, you know, if, if you have something that you can bring to the small town, um, it really, you know, is a benefit. Um, mm. It's, it's of course, it's hard to find work. You know, if, if you're, you could be as well-educated as, you know, anyone, um, but if the work's not there, um, you know, you're, you're not going to be in luck. So, you know, I, I can certainly mm-hmm. understand how some people might have reservations, but, you know, if you can bring something um, to the table, to the town, um, yeah. I think that's a, a massive asset. And, uh, you know, again, you know, in the, the world that we live in in 2021, we can totally do that. Mm-hmm. So. It's so true. And even if like you're not bringing a business necessarily, but say mm-hmm. you love gardening and you can volunteer yeah. to help a couple people with their garden, it's just like, what are you contributing to start fostering that community to start making those relationships, which will lead to, you know, many more outcomes. So I, I love that. Like, what can you contribute? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and final question, because this is a Spotlight Bracebridge series, I'm curious, what is your favorite location or nature spot or 
restaurant in Bracebridge that if somebody is coming to visit, you would say, you have to go here? Yeah. Uh, well, uh, that's a tough question. There's so many. Um, you, you can know, name again, a few we, if you want. <laughs> we love it here. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple, I guess. Um, you know, we, again, we're, we're a young family. We're a very active family. We're a very outdoorsy family. So um, I have to give a massive shout out to uh, Bracebridge Resource Management Center. Um, what a fantastic facility or you know, a place, I should say, it's not a facility. Mm -hmm. It's a, it's, it's a forest. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, as far as, uh, as far as, uh, trails, you know, for, you know, uh, whether it be snowshoeing or cross country skiing, or, you know, we do a lot of mountain biking with the kids. Um, uh, I, I, I trail run, my wife trail runs, we use, uh, the heck out of, uh, the Bracebridge yeah. resource management center. So, um, that's definitely a go-to for us. It's free to use. So, you know, Amazing. um, you know, if you're just coming up for the weekend or whatever it might be, go check it out. Um, um, yeah, you won't be disappointed unless you go right now. The bugs are probably pretty bad, but <laughs> it's still <laughs> um, worth and, it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then I would also say we spend a lot of time at the beach. I mean, people come here to go to the lakes, um, you know, so Kirby's beach is, uh, hands down the best in town. Um, mm -hmm. such a beautiful spot. Um, it can be busy if you go during the week, like we do, um, you know, you go on a Tuesday afternoon after work, uh, we'll take the little tea and barbecue something up and, Honestly, there's probably two or three other local families and that's it. Uh, it's a great little spot. Uh, uh, beach is beautiful there. It's great for the kids. Uh, long sort of, you know, uh, gentle slope into the water. Um, kids can go forever and mom and dad can sit and enjoy a beverage. That's amazing. <laughs> um, and one last question, not Bracebridge related, but I'm yeah. curious as somebody who's been in business, I think you said seven, eight years, um, mm -hmm. where do you currently hang out to get smarter? Like. I'm assuming you're always Ooh. learning and growing. Like, is it podcasts, books? Like, do you, you know, study under someone or have you kind of just felt like you've soaked in it all and now it's just about building your vision? For oh, it? never. Yeah, no, you can always learn more. I'm a firm believer in that. Um, honestly, I just surrounded myself with people, um, you know, mm -hmm. smart people, um, people who uh, maybe have a better tune on, on different things that, you know, I might not know about, you know, uh, mm -hmm. you know, whether it's uh, marketing or cryptocurrency or, you know, uh, management of people, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, I just, I spent a lot of time talking to people. I'm a social person. Um, mm -hmm. I, I don't do well with books. Uh, yeah. I get bored very quickly. <laughs> I, I love books. Don't get me wrong. And I wish I, I could sit down. I just don't sit very well for very long. Uh, no. I need to keep moving. Uh, so for me, I move my mouth a lot and uh, I talk to a lot of people. So, um, you know, I, I surround myself with great people and, uh, and soak whatever information I can, you know, from, from whatever it is that they do, uh, what inspires them, you know, what their, you know, their knowledge base might be. Um, mm -hmm. and that's mostly how I soak up, you know, more information. Yeah, it's a great sure. reminder that we can learn so much just by asking others questions. Yeah. Like you don't have to ask Google all the time. Yeah. You can literally ask a real no. human. <laughs> It's the experiences too that other people bring, right? Like, you know, uh, I've, I've experienced a lot and, you know, in the 40, almost two years that I've been on this earth and the mm -hmm. eight years that I've been in business for myself, but you know what, um, you can always learn and you can learn from other people's experiences. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, whether it be good, bad, whatever it is. So, um, yeah, I just, I like to talk to people and Hey, I have a lot more fun talking to people. So, <laughs> yeah. so fun. They always say it's like, it's better to be interested than to be interesting as a person. Yeah. Right? Like I just yeah, want to be interested sure. in everyone and like, like, you know, then you don't have to worry about who you are so much. <laughs> yeah. Tell me more. I, uh, I ask a lot of questions. Yeah. So it's a great quality to have. And probably, you know, the reason why you're an entrepreneur is because you're endlessly curious. Right. So 
Yeah. Cool. Well, I know I don't have all the answers, mm-hmm. so I go find them. I love it. Well, thank you so much for sharing all your wisdom on the podcast. It's just lovely to hear just like a true story with an entrepreneur who chased after their passion. And um, thank you just for cracking open and letting us all in on your journey. So we wish you all of the best. And um, where can we find you if we want to learn more information about brew culture or even about you personally? Uh, The web brewculture.com easiest place to go instagram mm-hmm. you know all the usual spots uh if you want to hit me up uh, email is there daniel at brewculture.com cool and i will say the one so. thing that was really fun about reading your website was that all of your team members they say their favorite beers so i was like writing down yeah, yeah. all of these lists of like oh i haven't tried that one yet and this brewery keeps coming up in all of the team members uh bios so just a yeah. fun way to get to know the people behind your team for so, sure thank you again for being on the show and we wish you all the best thanks for tuning in to this episode of visionary life I love bringing you these conversations on a weekly basis, so it would mean so much to me if you could help me out by rating and reviewing the show in your iTunes app. You can also support the show by taking a quick screenshot of the episode and sharing it on your Instagram stories, tagging me at Kelsey Rydell. I'll catch you in the next episode. P.S. Whenever you're ready, there's a couple of ways that I can support you. So first thing, if you're ready to make your first or next $50,000 in business, explore how the Visionary Method business coaching experience can accelerate your growth. There'll be a link in the show notes. Also, if you're feeling lost, confused, or overwhelmed when it comes to starting an online business, reach out and book a free revision call with me. I'll offer you customized recommendations on how to get unstuck so you can live a life filled with joy, happiness, and fulfillment.